The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Amen. Romans, the eighth chapter, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to the ones in Christ Jesus. Not walking around according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. For the inability of the law, in that it was weak by means of the flesh, God having sent his own son in the similarity of flesh with reference to sin and concerning sin, he brought down judgment upon the sin while in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, the ones not walking around according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the ones being according to the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but the ones according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Since the mind of flesh is enmity against God or hatred against God, indeed it is not subject to the law of God, neither is it possible. In fact, the ones being in the flesh are not able to please God. This passage of scripture raises the most difficult of issues. Most Christians in America today walk around in the flesh and not in the spirit. And the wrath of God is coming on every one of us that walks around in the flesh. It's this self-life that we walk in, in the flesh, the natural man. Now, we have learned how to make the natural man very religious. We've taught him religious duties. And so we will go through the religious duties that we know we should do. But there's a basic dishonesty in our hearts. For we know in the innermost part of our heart that we still live in our self-life, not in the spirit. That's very troublesome to me. I hate it. It makes me angry. I don't want to walk around in any self-life. And some of you have said to me, Pastor, you keep talking about self-life. Well, today, let's really go down there. Let's talk about what the self-life is. It's what it says. It's about self. It's about me. It's about my choosing who I am and what I am and what I'll do and what I won't do. It's about me. It's not about Jesus. In the spirit, it is all about Jesus. It is not about me. It's about him. No, I was 
prompted to think and pray about this issue when a friend said when they pray, they find their mind wandering and they find themselves sometimes growing sleepy. I've had several people tell me that in the last few days. What would cause sleepiness or wandering mind when you're talking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I only have one reason I can possibly think of. And that's because we're lying to him. We're hiding. Now, if we look at human relationships, especially husband-wife relationships, many times husbands and wives live with one another more as roommates than lovers. Business partners, parents, taking care of the children, but not really having an alive, juicy, wonderful relationship with each other. Well, why is that? Well, it happens when one or both of the husband or wife stop talking about the real thing that is going on in their heart. They hide. They don't talk about it. What would happen if I talked about this with my wife? What would happen if I told my husband how I really feel about how he's treating me? He'd get really angry. Things would become very difficult. Intimacy requires honesty. Intimacy requires courage. When we live a hidden self-life, we go around as the gray man. We are a gray man in our marriage. We're a gray man at church. We're a gray man wherever we go. We don't really talk about who we are, in fact, on the inner place. And, shall I say this? Some of you don't even know who you are, let alone your wife or your husband knowing who you are. You've never really been honest with yourself about who you are. To walk with Jesus requires a great deal of honesty. To be one with Jesus requires, to have intimacy with Jesus requires honesty, vulnerability, taking a risk, sharing what's really going on. Now, I've had a hard time doing that because I have been by nature a pleaser who hates conflict. So I could bend myself to look like whatever I needed to look like so that people would accept me and so that I could get by without any unpleasantness. 
Unfortunately, that dulls everything. It takes the shine off everything. It it makes life intolerable and boring. And the Lord said to me several years ago, I'm going to make you into a threshing sledge with new and sharp teeth. And I said, Lord, I don't want sharp teeth. I don't want to be a threshing sledge. I want to be a pillow. I want to comfort people. No, that's not my job. I'm to be a threshing sledge with new and sharp teeth. That requires an incredible level of honesty on my part. And that's been very painful and very difficult to do. I still find with some people, I remain quite distant because I don't trust them. Well, I don't find anywhere in scripture where telling the truth is associated with comfortableness. I don't find anywhere in the scripture where it says, just go ahead and lie if you think this person will be harsh with you or accusatory toward you. Just just lie. The scriptures don't teach that. This issue of honesty and dishonesty is crucial in dealing with the self-life. There's a passage of scripture I want to look at with you quickly. It's found in Colossians, the third chapter. I'll begin reading for you in verse 8. But now you did also voluntarily, you chose, to put off all these things. And then he begins to list things that you have voluntarily given up the right to exercise or to use anger. If you're walking in the spirit of Jesus, your heart will not be filled with anger toward another person, regardless of how they treat you. I used to read these incredible stories of Chinese men and women who were real Christians and who were put in jail and who were beaten. And they witnessed and loved those who beat them. So much so that many times those who abused them were converted to Jesus and joined them in prison. And they too were abused. The second is wrath ill will, evil speaking, slander, obscene speech out of your mouth. And then this very strong statement, you must not lie to one another, having absolutely already put off the old man with his practices and already having put on the new man, the one being renewed in true knowledge, according to the image of the one having created him 
strong statement. He's saying, you must not lie. Stop lying. Don't lie anymore. Don't lie to your wife. Don't lie to your husband. Don't lie to your family. Don't lie. Be honest about who you are. Oh, it's much easier to just disappear. Just cut and run. Just be gone. This issue, however, of self-life, it requires honesty first with ourselves. Secondly, it requires honesty with God. And third, it requires honesty with our brothers and sisters, with people. Mister, does your wife even really know who you are inside? And wife, does your husband really know who you are inside? Does he know what you think and what you feel? Does he really know you? Is there juicy, alive excitement between the two of you? goes for for our children. It goes for friends and enemies. It particularly goes with God. If you find your prayer life is boring, if you find your relationship with your wife or your husband or your children, if you find it to be boring, if you find your relationships at work are shallow and boring, it's because you're a liar. You don't tell the truth. And maybe that truth is even hidden from you because it would be too painful for you to begin to be honest about what's really going on, and people might not like you. That's why it is of utmost value that we be totally given over, totally submitted to Jesus Christ, no longer making any accusations against anyone, dealing with absolute honesty with every person. Now, I'm not saying to be harsh, I'm not saying to be judgmental. I'm saying to be honest about who who they are. You don't need to tell them who they are. That's their business. But honest about who you are. I hear some people say, No, Pastor, this self-life, I don't know how to even begin to get a handle on on what my self-life is. Well, it's not hard. It just means that we've got to go back. As one man said to me, the Holy Spirit will say something and we push him away. And then he says it again and we push him away. And finally, we have a mountain that has grown up in our hearts. That's why Mark 11, 23 and 24, 25 and 26 is so absolutely vital as a promise for us because... It says we can command these mountains to be removed into the sea and it will be done for us. 
So when there's an area that you've been ducking and dodging, you've not been honest about, you have the right to go into the presence of God and say, Lord, you promised that if I would command this mountain to be removed from me, it will be removed. I know it's the will of God to remove those mountains of dishonesty from my heart and your heart. I know he wants us to walk in love and compassion and mercy with with every person we meet. Not to be angry, harsh, defensive. I have a a friend. I'll, I'll call her that. Every time I'm around, she wants to come and chat me up. And I can't stand it. She wants to talk about the weather. She wants to talk about her dog. She wants to talk about things that really don't matter. I'm not saying that pets don't matter. I'm saying the way she talks about them doesn't matter. And so I made a decision that from now on, When she comes to chat me up, I will have arranged in my mind a personal question that will press her to get honest with me. She says, yes, I'm a Christian. So I'm going to ask her, does she tithe? Does she give of her money to Jesus? And I'm sure she's going to say, well, no. So you say you're a Christian, but what do you give to Jesus? I'm going to begin asking her questions about her relationship with her children. On a scale of one to ten, how close does she feel to her daughter? I'm sure she's going to answer probably a four or five if she's honest. And that opens the way for me to ask other questions. So what I'm going to do is not allow her to chat me up. I'm going to confront kindly, with mercy, with compassion. But I'm not going to spend time in foolishness, in social chit-chat. It's simply a decision I've made. And frankly, I've made that decision about everyone who's in my life. I'm not going to talk foolishness with anyone who's in my life. I'm going to ask, and I'm going to share honestly what's going on with me and ask them what's going on with them. They're going to say, how are you, pastor? I'm supposed to answer, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Instead, I'm going to give them an honest answer. How are you, pastor? Well, I'm really 
looking at this question of the self-life. I don't want any self-life. I only want my life to be hidden in Jesus. Now, what are they going to say back to me? Particularly those who are not Christians. Or I'm going to talk about some area of concern I have for life, for this nation, by making bold statements and then asking them, do you agree? Like the Canadian truckers, I think, are heroes. I think the whole display has been a wonderful exercise in democracy. And the king of Canada, Mr. Trudeau, or Trudeau, to me is simply a criminal. Well, I will say that to people. I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, it's really bad what's going on there. No, he's a criminal. You see, we've come to a time when we're going to have to get really honest with one another. We're going to have to get honest with God about who we really are, what we're really doing, where our priorities are. I remember as a child, we would, I would go with my daddy to Amish country. He was a salesman door to door. He sold uh, farm products, insecticides, and all kinds of things for a farmer. And they would stand and they would talk about how the crops were coming. Now, that sounds mundane, but now hear me. Those crops were their winter food. And if the crops didn't come in, they were in trouble. And so they would talk about insects and blight and how to deal with it. It meant their food, their survival. It was a vital issue for them. But for me, if I talk about farm production, it's chit-chat because I don't have a farm. I'm interested, but I don't have a farm. So I'm not identifying one area and saying, you can't talk about that. That's chit-chat. But I am saying we're at a place where we need to get honest with each other about who we are and who Jesus is and who Jesus is to us and live it, not just talk it. He he talks about now what that looks like. He says in the next verse, but now you did also voluntarily put off, and then he goes through the list that I just gave you. And then in verse 12, he goes to, therefore, you must put on. Now, you will quickly identify that if you do not have this on, it's because you're living in your own self-life and not in the life of the Spirit. This is what life in the Spirit looks like. 
This is a snapshot to give us a sense of what happens when we live in the Spirit. You must put on, as chosen ones of God, holy and having been beloved. This is the condition. You are not walking in the flesh anymore. You're walking in the Spirit. One, deep feelings of compassion, kindness, humility, courtesy, patience toward others, bearing with one another, and freely favoring each other. Do you know one of the hallmarks of a healthy marriage is that they walk in this with each other. They're patient toward each other. He doesn't sit in the car and honk his horn because his wife isn't getting to the car as quickly as he thinks she should. They bear with one another. Sometimes you just want to go. Come on. What's the holdup? Let's get it together. No. That's living in the old self. There are some people that as pastor, I put my pastor hat on, and I find myself bearing with them. I'm tired of their conflict. I'm tired of their foolishness. I'm tired of their nonsense. But I don't want to talk about it because they might become offended. So I'll just be patient. Now, I hope you hear what I'm saying. I can use these things of kindness and humility and courtesy and patience and be dishonest with them. That's what a pleaser does. But inside, he's a grizzly bear. See, I can be a teddy bear on the outside and a grizzly bear on the inside. And then get pushed just one straw too far. And the grizzly bear begins to roar. I don't want to be that kind of person. And I'm not anymore. I used to be. I'm not anymore. Freely favoring each other. If anyone may have a complaint against another, just as Christ freely favored you in this manner you also do. And then above all these things, have love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which you also were called in one body, and you may be thankful The word of Christ must dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your heart to the Lord. And everything, whatever you may do 
in word or in work, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. So let's be clear today. All of us have been extremely dishonest with each other. We've been very hidden. And we've come to a time in America when we can't be that way anymore. We're going to have to stand up for the basic principles of freedom, integrity, love, compassion, kindness, mercy. We're going to have to take a stand that says, I'm not just going to roll over for evil anymore. I'm going to confront it. I'm going to be honest with it. I'm going to deal with it. But I'm going to deal with it in the Christian way. In so far as possible, with kindness and humility and courtesy and patience. Now, there comes a time when we have to take a stand. And for that stand, we may be persecuted. In fact, we will be persecuted. When we stand for Jesus Christ and we are absolutely honest with everyone about who we are and what we believe and where we're going, we will be persecuted. People will get very angry. But those people are then treated with courtesy and love and respect. They're not to be scorned or ridiculed. They're not to be cursed. Our enemy is deserving of our love because when we were enemies with Jesus, he loved us. So this question of self-life is exposed by honesty. All of you today know exactly what the Holy Spirit has been saying to you. And, and if you have been blocking him out with entertainment, with television, that's why I tell you, turn your TVs off. Uh, don't spend time watching movies. Uh, don't go to the porn. Uh, don't go to the violence. Don't go to the world, because what that does is sear our hearts and our minds. Don't get drunk on liquor or wine. Don't, don't do things that, that dull your mind and allow you to be comfortable in your dishonesty. If we really get honest with ourselves, we have to face the fact that we are very temporarily here on this earth, and we are all going to die if Jesus does not come in our lifetime. We have to face the fact that we're not God, that we are subject to the God of heaven. And even though he's invisible... It's easy to see that he's around. Look at the sky. Who created it? Look at the beautiful nature. Who created it? 
look at the harshness in nature and wonder who was the enemy who even made nature cruel. One man, a very wise man, said, there is no mercy in nature. Nature will kill you without a second thought. It'll freeze you to death. It will destroy your body if you allow it to. If you put yourself in a position of being at its mercy, it will kill you. A lion will eat you. A disease will ravish you. We have to be honest with ourselves about who we are. We're creatures. And we were created in the image of God. But we're not gods. So when we get honest with ourselves and we make a decision, we're going to be honest with our wives or husbands. We're going to be honest with our children when we're going to be honest with our bosses, not about them, about us. No more hiddenness, no more lies. No more games. When we make a decision that we will be totally submitted to Jesus and we will trust him with every ounce of, of our heart, our will, our very lives, we entrust into his hand, and we don't want anything that he does not give to us. We're not going to go out and try to reshape the world with our entrepreneurialism. We're going to pray and get direction from God because our job is to build his kingdom. Our job is not to build our kingdom. Now, some of you will build his kingdom and in the process will become extremely wealthy. Others of you will build his kingdom and you will always walk in poverty. But God will carry you. I've known times of great financial prosperity. And I've also known times of great loss where I didn't have even a a nickel to pinch. I know how to do my life in both cases, and that is, I belong to Jesus. I'm sold out to him. I'm going to be honest with him and with you. And if you tell me things that indicate to me that you are being dishonest, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to ask you questions. I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to ask you questions. You want to deal with this self-life and you want to surrender that to Jesus? Okay, then ask him to remove the mountain of lie from your heart and make a decision and a covenant with him that you will not lie again about little things or big things, that you will tell the truth that you will put on deep feelings of compassion, kindness, humility, courtesy, patience toward others, bearing with one another and freely favoring each other. 
What about it? Well, Pastor, where do I start? Where are you lying? Start telling the truth. Well, I don't know that I'm lying anywhere. Well, where are you not telling God what you most want with him? I went into the prayer closet and I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm not being honest with you. I have not told you how much I love you and how manipulative I can be, how, how evil I can be. I've tried to pretend that I'm a good person and that you should bless me because I'm trying hard. Well, obviously, the Lord opened the windows of heaven to me and poured out an incredible blessing. You want your marriage to be renewed? Get honest with your wife about who you really are and get honest with your husband about who you really are and stop hiding from each other and begin to touch and engage. Begin to play. I used to love a song sung by a man by the name of Ben Glanzer. I don't even remember the name of the song, but it talked about walking hand in hand with God in the fields. That's what I want. I want to walk hand in hand with my Lord and my Savior. I want to know that he's there. He is there. The question is, am I there? And the way I get there, I begin to be really honest about who I am and what I'm doing, what I'm hoping for, and asking him what his will is. And telling him, I will from this point forward only receive from your hand what you choose to give me. Now, as soon as you've said that, self-life becomes quickly exposed. Because you think, oh, I want to buy that. No, wait. Did the Lord tell you to buy that? Did you wait on him? One man said to me, Pastor, what do you mean when you talk about waiting on God? Well, it's, I'm not being mystical. I'm saying I have a, a chair in my prayer closet, in my studio. And I go there and I say, Lord, I've come to be with you. I'll read a little scripture. And I'll say, Lord, do you have anything you want to say to me? I'm going to just wait on you. I'm going to sit here and do nothing except be with you. And inevitably, when I do that, I begin to talk with him. And he begins to speak with me. Impressions come to my mind. Scriptures come alive in my heart. I know he's there. Because I'm in his presence. 
and it's the joy of my heart. I did that this morning. I do it every morning. This afternoon, I have an appointment right after the broadcast. And then after that appointment, I'm going to find some quiet time where I can just be with Jesus. Because what I really want is intimacy with Jesus. He invites us to enter into his rest. And the word rest in the Hebrew is the place where you lie down, the bedroom. We're invited into God's bedroom. We're invited to be intimate with the God of heaven and earth. I like that. I want that. I have that. I rejoice in that. But this issue of honesty is a constant issue for me because throughout my life I've been very dishonest. I've been very hidden from people. I've been very hidden from God. I can't live that way anymore. I can't live like that. Can you? I want to have my heart filled with deep feelings of compassion and kindness and humility and courtesy and patience, bearing with one another. I want the bond of love. But it's going to require courageous boldness on your part and mine. We're going to have to talk about things as they are, not as we want them to be. Not about them, but about me and about Jesus. It's easy to tell somebody what you think of them. It doesn't matter what you think of them. It only matters what Jesus thinks of them. I want you to think about this issue of honesty. And tomorrow we're going to go more deeply into this question. Come to a place where the lying, dishonest American culture has to stop for those of us who call ourselves Christians. We've got to say what we mean and mean what we say and live it. So the self-life has to go, has to be crucified. Romans, the sixth chapter, read the chapter today. The self-life has to be crucified and we have to walk in a new life. And that new life is what I've been describing for you today. A new life of honesty, of integrity, not walking in sexual immorality, not walking in uncleanness and lustful desires, not walking in evil desires or greed for money. 
The wrath of God comes on people for this. And some of you have a real struggle with lustful, evil desires in your heart. But you won't get honest with God about it. It means we've got to really get honest with God. And we've got to ask him to remove it. Now, I talk to people sometimes who say, Pastor, I've tried over and over and over, and I can't deal with it. Then there's another deeper issue that's blocking you that you've been dishonest about. And you've got to peel that back in the Holy Spirit, in the prayer closet, and the scriptures, and get to the depths of it. And I'll be very specific. There were areas in my life that I was unable to overcome. Wickedness. And finally I said, there has to be another issue involved here. And so I went to the Lord and I prayed. And he said to me, give me your deadness. Give me your deadness. I struggled with that. I prayed that through. I gave him my deadness and all of the temptations were gone and now have no power over me. We have to get honest with ourselves, with our wives, with our husbands, with our children, with our families, with our churches. We've got to get honest. And become conscious in the spirit that the self-life has to go and that our focus now is not on us. It's on Jesus. Our eyes are on Jesus. Well, that's about all the time we have for today's broadcast. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please... We're not yet there with finances to cover this month's radio bill. I need your help. If you'd like to give an offering that will go directly toward the radio cost, I invite you to to do that. You can do it by writing to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'll give you that address again. Uh, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go online. And Dirk and others, thank you so much for going online. Denise, I should go through all of the names. Mike, I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. You can go online at nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. And you can give online and you can also watch this video again. You can also see many other resources. Brother Ed is doing an awesome job with our webpage. He does it as a volunteer. 
He spends about 20 hours a week doing the IT work or more. And I'm very grateful to our brother Ed and his beautiful wife's song. Thank you. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're not going to get honest with you until you make us so uncomfortable in our lies that we can't stand it in our skin anymore and we finally have to decide to go after you. Lord, most that I know are bored out of their skull because they won't go after you. Lord, I pray you will break the boredom of the American apostate church and turn the heart of the church back to yourself and raise up a standard of righteousness in this nation. Lord, have your way today. I praise your name. I worship you. I love you, Jesus. I will tell you the truth. You are the truth. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy.